Welcome, welcome, welcome back, everybody, to the Woody Allen Retrospective Podcast with me, your host, Donald Wonder, and my lovely co-host on the other side of the Atlantic Pacific. I don't even know my maps right now. James Daniel Walsh, welcome back. Uh, it's nice to be here on the other side of some body of water. Exactly. Thank you, sir. <laughs> oh, James, we've done so much. The year has started. It is February 2023. On the last recording, we spoke about Ruby Sparks. It was a discussion where I'm not sure if we both got triggered by some of the content at the end, but I love that discussion. And yeah, James, it was, it was, a, I think it was a memorable. memorable it, was. it got dark, but <laughs> it was a good discussion. It was a good discussion. If you're listening, if this is your first time listening to us, we're doing Woody Allen adjacent. Woody Allen hasn't got a new movie out yet. So we talk about movies that we find in some way adjacent to Woody Allen, whether it's story structure, themes, what, you know, that's what we're doing right now. You guys seem to really enjoy it. At the end of this discussion, we actually got a recommendation for another adjacent movie by one of you lovely listeners. So thank you very much. Please, if you can spare the time to leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to, it would help a lot. But you know what? I'm glad to get interaction from you guys listening. Thank you for listening so much. And on this month's discussion, it is James's turn to pick the movie. So James, would you mind telling us what we're talking about? And we'll go from there. Today we will be talking about the 1991 movie L.A. Story, directed by Mick Jackson, uh, written and starring Steve Martin, Victoria Tennant, and Sarah Jessica Parker. You know what? There's some crazy cameos in this movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when I went on Wikipedia, I saw some names in the cameo that I never saw. I heard Martin Lawrence see the cameo in this movie. I'm like, what? what? Did you see that? I don't remember seeing Martin Lawrence, but uh, I mean, it was early enough to where maybe it, he wasn't, maybe he's just in the background somewhere. Yeah. I know uh, I saw John Lithgow did a cameo, but it got cut. Yeah. Yeah. One face I was shocked to see was um, Sir Patrick Stewart. Uh -huh. <laughs> Professor X, uh, Jean-Luc Picard. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Very, even though he's just, it's a, it's a small cameo role bit fun. James, I had never heard, you know, actually, sorry, let's scratch that. I've heard the LA story, but I confused this movie with a completely different movie. So huh. when I saw the trailer for this, I was amazed because I love Steve Martin. The Jerk is one of my favorite movies. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, is, I love even more. Those are both great. Yeah, everything he's done, I've pretty much loved, to be honest with you. Um, this movie in particular, I'm sad to say, man, I am conflicted with this movie. Hmm. And I'll get to why in a bit, but I, I will say right after that, I can very, very clearly see why you picked this movie. Very clearly. And I think it was a great pick for our discussion. I like this movie. I do. But I'm conflicted. I'll get to that. But James, um, I want to hear your your history with LA Story. When did you first see this movie? And why are you bringing this up? 
I first saw this movie on Thursday because really? I confused it with another movie that I <laughs> <laughs> that I had seen before, and I was like, when I watched the trailer for it, I was like, okay, so this is this is to Steve Martin what New York is to Woody. Like, Steve mm. Martin is doing the L.A. version of what Woody does for New York. And I was very pleasantly surprised about 10 minutes in that I was laughing pretty consistently. Uh, mm -hmm. I got that vibe. I got the gentle poking. Uh, it, it, it gently pokes a little bit more than, like, Woody is a little bit in awe of New York. He will make fun of, like, New Yorkers or certain things sometimes. But L.A. is, a, 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 and I'm, I am from the Los Angeles area. It is a place that you can't take too seriously in the way that you, you look at New York and there's sort of a, there's something really big and grand about it. And you look at L.A. and it's pretty, but superficial. And Steve Martin did a really good job of just, being affectionate, but poking at it. I didn't know what to expect when I started watching this movie. And the first thing that just took me by surprise throughout the whole of this movie is the energy. The energy of this movie is manic. Mm -hmm. To me, I wasn't prepared. Now, you know, Steve Martin always, to in most of his films, I would say in the majority of his films until we got a bit older, he was, you know, had a lot of that manic comedic energy he got from stand-up. But this movie is just different. Like, this movie was an, at an 11 for me mm -hmm. for the whole movie. And I was just like, whoa, whoa. I usually get smaller doses of this. And the reason why I'm torn with this movie is that it's not mean-spirited about the, the jokes. They're great. Yeah beginning where he's driving like a fucking maniac to work. <laughs> you know, the way he acts at work, delivering his weather report, you know, every aspect of Los Angeles, getting a table, meeting people, driving everywhere. All of that was, was funny and I got it. But I was wondering, is this actually an actual movie with a plot? Or is this just a movie poking fun at, you know, being in LA, being in the LAR and... And my disconnect came when on top of everything he was doing with the LA mockery, there was a rom-con on top of that. Yeah. And that, for me, didn't take center stage until the end of the movie. And I couldn't take it seriously. I just couldn't take the romance very seriously, even though I felt like at the end, he was trying to make it a lot more heartfelt. Yeah. So that was a disconnect to me. I was like, is this a is this a zany comedy or is this a romantic comedy? Because you would think the two would gel, but for me they didn't. They were kind of fighting each other at the end. And when the movie ended, I was like, uh I don't know. I, I I've, that's why, you know, as a comedy, I think it works, but as a romantic comedy, I just thought, should I take this seriously? Because this seems like a big joke even though there's a lot of heart here. That was my kind of turmoil with the movie. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say that we're not LAers. We are Angelinos. <laughs> 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 um, the, 
the romantic comedy element of it is the weaker part because to me it almost because they they went the opposite direction that this could be compared in some ways to manhattan um Mm. but they went in the opposite direction whereas in manhattan uh woody is dating uh mariel hemingway who's you know uh what 17 18 years old and then he thinks he should be with diane keaton who's older and more mature and everything but then realizes she's not that great. No, I should be with Mariel Hemingway. This goes in the opposite direction in that he starts off falling in love with Victoria Tennant, who's his age. And, uh, but, and then Sarah Jessica Parker comes in and she's much younger than he is, but she has a certain energy that he's attracted to. I wanted him to end up with Sarah Jessica Parker when I was watching it, because I thought Victoria Tennant was pretty dry. Like, she's the weak link in the cast to me. It's not like with, um, even if you're going with the Manhattan comparison, even though his character in that, Woody's character in that, and uh, Diane Keaton's character in that, weren't really meant to be together. The, you know, they w- weren't really compatible. Uh, but it's Diane Keaton. So you're like, you get why he would be attracted to her. And they have that chemistry. I didn't feel that chemistry between Steve Martin and Victoria Tennant. Uh, I felt it between him and Sarah Jessica Parker. Hmm. But there, I didn't understand necessarily what he was attracted to. You know, it's, that, it's not fleshed out very well. You're right. And it's, it has some very nice moments to it. There's a moment towards the, maybe the, the end of the second act where, I think they've just slept together and they're walking down the street together. And the, the movie's got a lot of Enya music in it Hmm. and they, they enter like this garden and they slowly start to get younger. Hmm. It's a very pretty moment. It's very well filmed, but I didn't, because I didn't see, didn't feel that they had much chemistry. It didn't really resonate with me in the same way that it could have if maybe he just had somebody, maybe a different actress, or maybe that, that part of the script had been fleshed out better. Agreed. I don't usually do this as much. I used to play the trailer for the movies when we spoke about them uh, about a year ago. But now I want to play a clip. This is kind of the making of. Um, the reason why I'm playing this, uh, Steve Martin says a couple of things I want to bounce off of. So let me play this clip talking about the movie. It's only a minute and 20 seconds, and then we'll we'll come right back. Welcome to the world, according to Steve Martin. With his new movie, L.A. Story, the talented writer and comedian celebrates life and love in Los Angeles. Now, Harris with his report. Hey, 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 it's time for the, wa- the, wa- the wacky weekend weather. In L.A. Story, Martin chronicles one man's struggle to find happiness in a city built on dreams. It's his first screenplay since the highly successful Roxanne and marks a reunion with its producer, Daniel Melnick. His new romantic comedy was directed by Mick Jackson. And for Martin, the movie is very close to home. I've lived here all my life, so I have a lot of just a catalog of things that I think about L.A. I think... L.A. really serves as a background in this movie for the real story, which takes place on top of it, which is the romantic comedy. Hello, this is Harris. I'm in right now, so you can talk to me personally. Please start talking at the sound of the beep. Hello? Hello. 
Is this a person? Yes, it is a person. Yeah, I can't say it's me because I know what I am, but it's certainly, you know, all the lines and gags came from me, so I have to say that it's just me exaggerated. <laughs> yeah. When he says in that clip the real story about the relationship, I, you know, I felt like by the end of the movie, is this what the movie was meant to really be about? Which is like, I just felt like the movie would have been stronger without it because I think it's a great comedy, spoof comedy about LA on its own, you know, without the romance, you know, because you were talking about him, you know, when the movie starts with his first uh, uh, woman lover there was no can for me no compatibility there none that did not seem like any kind of love relationship they were dating at best i mean there's one of the funniest scenes in the movie that my girlfriend was laughing when she saw it was that when he meets the english woman who's the one turns out to be the love of his life he just drives off and leaves (laughs) (laughs) and just forgets that she's not in the car and the movie is littered with little little gags like that which are great and, you know, if the movie was just that, and I was getting used to the movie being just that, all these little gags, you know, he's going to the museum and roller skates with his team and, you know, trying to order a... You know, it kind of reminds me... Actually, let me pivot and say this. When I was watching this movie, I thought you brought this movie up because it has the energy of Woody Allen's early funny movies. It like does, Take yes. Run, bananas. I'm like, this is early Woody. Perfect early Woody. And it's funny because in Woody Allen's career, he evolves into, you know, moving away from the comedy into more of the dramas, the real life romance. And that's what this movie tried to do. But it's so based in its comedic element. Even the romance that is blossoming between him and this English lady, this reporter, who, again, I'm not really sure about the chemistry, as you, I believe you said that before. I... by the very end when the city itself brings them together it's a nice gesture and i think it's cool but you know and it's a little bit heartfelt especially with something that he said at the end which I, i got a clip for but i was just like by the end i thought i don't know this movie might have just been stronger if these were two separate movies the movie where it's just about la living in la crazy la and in the movie where he's affectionate to this woman, they, you know, I just felt like I would love to see him do these two movies separately instead of combining them together. Where the romantic relationship is, to me, it's kind of an afterthought. It's a funny afterthought. And, you know, what they do with it is kind of humorous. But by the end, it just feels like it's trying to make that the crux of the movie. Where to me, it really isn't. Just the gags and the hilarity and everything he's poking at. That's the movie. This romance between these two, to me, no, it's not really. So that's where the movie kind of falls to me. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I, th- I think the the best comparison as far as like a Woody movie would be Manhattan because Manhattan does have the, uh, it's got the, some of the, the comedic energy of the movies that were coming out like, you know, in the early 70s. But this is this is a post Annie Hall, Woody. Um, yeah. This is, I think, Steve Martin's version of that because this isn't the jerk. Mm. You know, the, the it, it, I think the jerk would be like his um, take the money and run. Yeah. Um, and he had evolved to this point where 
but maybe it's, and I guess maybe Roxanne would have been his Annie Hall, but I just felt like, I think it could have worked. The love story could have worked within the movie if there had been more chemistry or more, maybe more complexity to it or something. I mean, again, it, it's superficially complex in that she's come to LA and her ex-husband is there and he wants to get back with her. And Steve Martin is with um, Mariel Henner and, uh, you know, and they break up, but then he's, you know, Sarah Jessica. Parker. That, that, that's to me, the energy when Sarah Jessica Parker enters the movie is it matches the rest of the tone. Yeah, it does. Correct. And you could have had the, like I said, the Victoria Tennant be maybe the, the, the Diane Keaton character, but he can't end up with the Diane Keaton character from Manhattan. You have to end up with the uh, uh, Meryl Hemingway character. Mm-hmm. And people, I'm sure people would have complained, oh, you know, this older man ends up with the younger yeah. girl, of course, blah, blah, blah. It's the, you know, in Manhattan, and I'm sure like, you know, 40 some years later, now people are saying it's creepy. Um, you know, Woody ending up with, with uh, Meryl yeah, Hemingway. Yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> there's been articles about that. It's, yeah. it's, but there is something sweet about it too. It's not like mm-hmm. I want to be with her because I'm, I'm a creep. It's like he feels some sort of a connection to her that he doesn't feel with the Diane Keaton character. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here, I felt like Steve Martin clearly had more chemistry with Sarah Jessica Parker, and then she just disappears from the movie. They don't even really give it much resolution to that. Um, he takes her away for the weekend and it's so, you know, it's, it's a funny thing where like when they, he's like conflicted cause he wants to be with Victoria Tennant, but he ends up sleeping with her and you know, he gets, in, it's a great line where he gets into bed with her and he's like, it might take me a little while cause I'm, I'm getting older. And then he just starts yelling, I'm young again. I'm young yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But that, it was thank you, James, for bringing up that scene because that scene where they both unwittingly went to the same resort and then they both hear each other having sex opposite uh-huh. each other, that both roused them up to have, you know, enjoy their sex more. And, you know, I'm like, this is just funny. But yeah. am I supposed to care about you guys because you guys are literally just met? It's literally like, you know, that, um, that movie we spoke about, Entropy where yeah. Stephen Dorff fell in love in one day with a woman and they were in a relationship. You know, it reminds me of that. You fall in love with someone very quickly, then all of a sudden, I'm meant to believe that they're like dedicated to each other, especially when she told him, I I want to try to make it work well with my ex. So when they both catch each other at that hotel or whatever resort, and I'm just like, this is just funny. Am I really supposed to care? And, you know, the movie from there just escalates to a point where, they have to be together. I'm like, I, no, I, I don't care about you guys really getting together because you just, you don't know each other. You don't know each other. Mm-hmm. Is that the magic of LA? <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the problem too, is, is that they make it this, there's a magical realism to the movie where I, I feel like that could be compared a little bit more to maybe Stardust Memory sure. where, you know, there's a, there's a freeway traffic sign that's, 
that starts talking to him and giving oh, him advice. And that's yeah. all very, I like that. I like all of it. But what it leads to is him ending up with her, you know, and to where literally the, 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 the weather, like, yeah. Stops her plane from taking off yeah. and all this stuff. And it's like in service of this. Yeah. I don't, I don't buy if If you had just maybe come, not combined. If you'd made the Sarah Jessica Parker character a little bit deeper, like maybe she's superficial and all this on top, but she does have uh, something a little bit more complex to her. And you had made the Victoria Tennant character a little bit sillier. It would have worked, but to me, it just it it all felt. The and you know we're talking we're we're really focusing on like the half of the movie that we didn't like. Whereas it sounds like we both very much like the other half of the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the romance, you needed, you needed somebody, you needed, um, I'm, I'm blanking now. Bernadette, Bernadette Peters in uh, the jerk. Yeah. She met, she was able to match Steve Martin. You wanted them to be together. You thought these people, this works. These people belong together. This one, I was just sort of like, well, I don't know. I give them six months. You know, it doesn't seem like a grand romance or anything. It just seems like he kind of likes her, but for no real reason. No, no. And that's, you're right. We are focusing on this part a little bit heavily. And my thing was just that when I heard Steve Martin say the real story is one come, I'm like, not to me, not really. You focused most of your energy on the comedic element of everything. Even the relationship that you said is the main part. It's comedic. The whole thing is, a, and I don't mean comedic as in a light comedic. It's a fucking joke. Yeah. It's an actual, like, the whole thing is a joke. And you just meant you fell in love. So that's my problem with the movie. And I, again, let me go back and say, as, as in terms of comedy, Steve Martin's a fucking genius. He oh, yeah. is great at it. And my to my surprise, you know, again, I didn't know what this movie was about. I didn't know he'll be kind of ridiculing everything about LA. It's not even hateful. It's not even like, oh, he's yeah. just being mean. It's fun. All the fun he's poking at is about, you know, he's an LA. You know, what did you call them? An Angelino. <laughs> Christ, Angelino, give me a break, but sure. He's Angelino, and he's making fun of himself the whole movie, and that's what Steve Martin does the best, and I love that part of the movie. It's just that when it tried to pivot, I'm like, dude, what's this? Like, I don't, I don't really buy it, and now, you know. And that's the thing that could have worked better. Like maybe the thing that he likes about the Victoria Tennant character is that she's from England. She's different. She's not from LA, but there wasn't anything to me that screamed English. Like she's got an accent obviously and whatever, but she's, she doesn't seem that different from the other characters in the movie and the way that she acts. And maybe it would have been better if this was supposed to be a love letter to LA. Maybe it would have been better if the, like I was saying, if it was the Sarah Jessica Parker character, who's from LA, if it was a woman who embodied LA in the best parts of it and the worst. Yeah. Everything else ground to a halt 
when the love story would kick in. Yeah. And that was the stuff I didn't, I didn't like. Steve Martin is still very good in it. It's just not, it doesn't click. Well, that's the thing. I, I really feel like I would love this movie if it was just that. And every everything coming out of Steve Martin's mouth is great. It's gold. All the gags, even when he's trying to court this woman. In fact, my favorite, favorite clip of the movie is this one. I'm going to play it right now. It's near the end of the movie where, again, he's trying to persuade her that he's the one. And, and I, I just love this. I love this. Let's hear this. I've been thinking about myself, and I think I can become the kind of person that's worth you staying for. First of all, I'm a man who can cry. Now, it's true, it's usually when I've hurt myself, but it's a start. You see, I know there's something that would make you stay. I know it. I know there's some move I could make, the right word, attitude, plan. But these are all just tricks. These are all just things I would think up and try. So let's forgo that. Let's assume that whatever that thing is, that whatever it is that would make you stay has occurred, that it has happened, and that my hand has already gone down your throat and grabbed your heart and squoze it. Ow! Because there comes a time in everyone's life when it's now or never. It's now or never. Let me read you from this book of poems. Oh, pointy birds, oh, pointy, pointy, anoint. Absolute gold. <laughs> now, in terms of comedians, if you, we're not, I'm just going to do this because we do Woody adjacent. Mm. This is where you see how strong of a comedian he is. He's not the same as Woody. Every time we talk about movies where we, you know, compare them to Woody Allen, we say, you know, you got the Woody surrogate and all that. That is pure Steve Martin delivering and equally, if you put Woody Allen in that situation with that character, Woody Allen would be just as funny in his own way. Yes. This is Steve Martin's comedy come through. You know, just when I just heard that, let's just say that thing that I would say to win you over has yeah. already occurred. Yeah. I love that. That's so fucking funny. I mean, you give the exact same lines to Woody. And it would have been the, you know, well, you just say that the things that I was supposed to say, they already occurred. And, you know, yeah. and it, it, it would still, you'd write it, same lines. It would still be funny, but it would be funny in a Woody way. This is funny in a Steve Martin way. Yeah. And I love, and that is why, in a way, my praise for the movie is like, Steve Martin is great at comedy. Big duh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What what can I say? This but that's my only problem. This movie is a comedy first, uh-huh. but he says the real story is a rom com, but that wasn't really built up well at all. You know, not with the character, not with how long they know each other. Again, it could be more complex. That's why, to me, and all the surrealness that happens with that that sign you said at the end, uh-huh. I'm like, okay, this is just getting really really wacky. Um, this is a special film to me. This is a very special film. I like it a lot. Now that I know what it is, if I was to watch it again, I would really enjoy it. But I wouldn't pay any mind to this relationship because that's nonsense. The movie's a big joke and I love it for that. But I just think it's funny that Steve Martin seems to think, you know, he might believe that the the romantic comedy element, the relationship he has with this woman, this British woman, it's not, it's, it just wasn't done well. That's what I criticize him for. Because if he thinks that that's what makes his movie shine, I'm sorry, Steve Martin. The comedic elements, what you're a master at, is what makes his movie great, not the rom-com element. And, you know, that's, that's my biggest problem with the movie. Uh, I'll tell you what could have worked. And it just occurred to me, and this is where maybe some of the... I'll, I'll, I'll preemptively say, uh, some people are going to say, oh, so you wanted to turn it woke. Something that could have worked would have been same movie, but instead of the Victoria Tennant character, maybe you have 
the love interest, the the main love interest for the romantic comedy part of it, be like an immigrant woman who's not rich. Because this is mm-hmm. this is that two rich people courting thing. And that's not all that interesting. But if 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 you'd had the Sarah Jessica Parker character who represented like the real superficiality of Los Angeles. And then you'd had a character who was not living in that world, who was, you know, maybe she was she was the waitress that had to bring them the food at the table where everybody's being a snob, you know, and everybody's doing the, which is very, very accurate to LA. I'll, I'll have a twist of lemon. I'll have a twist of lemon. I'll have a twist of lemon. If she had been not a part of that and Steve Martin had been attracted to her because she wasn't a part of the superficial part of LA that might've worked better. And, you know, I bring it up like, you know, uh, somebody who's an immigrant just because you could, yeah, you could have a, like the poor, like a little blonde girl from Kansas who has moved to LA to be an actress, but that's still somebody who is actively trying to be a part of that world. And that's that's a a weird thing about L.A. is you've got like movie stars and you've got people who think they're going to be movie stars. So the waiter at the table can be just as much of a a self-centered prick as, you know, whatever Hollywood A-lister he might be serving, because both of them think, you know, I'm so important. If you'd had a character who was just not in that, who was, didn't care about being on TV and didn't care about, you know, maybe she's got a kid she's trying to provide for. I don't know. It's just something to where you actually cared about that love story. It would have worked better. But with Victoria Tennant, she's, I've flown over from England and I'm a photographer and, you know. Uh, we're, I'm going to this big dinner party at, you know, wearing a gown. It's like, it, 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 it reinforces the superficiality instead of offering an alternative, which Hmm. to me, just that, that's what was boring about it. She didn't have to be from England. There's no reason she had to be from England other than maybe that was the thing he found exotic about her. I don't know, but, Hmm. um, you could have had that with somebody who was from Mexico and I think it probably would have worked better. You bring up an interesting idea for the, and again, I don't think it's too woke. I just, I think it's I, I think it's an interesting idea. Um, but I, I seem to, when I just look at Steve Martin in this movie, I just think he thinks he was making a different movie than he actually made. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're making a comedy. It's a hella funny comedy, but somehow you think it's a, it's not a serious rom com. But his delivery of um serious scenes, he's a really good actor. You know, Steve Martin's actually yeah. a very good actor. And I like him when he's trying to execute. I believe him when he's putting his heart into trying to quarter at the end. I believe it. Uh-huh. And it's, it's just that I don't know. When the movie was done, they were editing it. I'm surprised he still thinks that the crux was the romance because, again, you got three women in the movie. You only really start honing in on that one at the end. But you know what? I want to stop beating this dead horse <laughs> and wrap up because I want to actually talk about Steve Martin on his own in a minute and just say this. This is a great comedy. The opening's great. Everything with the comic gabs. Seeing Patrick Stewart just there doing the bank reservation thing. Such a great gag. It go, again, it kind of reminds me of um, 
the gags that was in everything. What's this? Woody Allen's longest film title? Everything you wanted to know about sex, we were afraid to ask. Yeah, having those kind of gags reminds me of this movie. And yeah, again, the movie is very favorable. Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, people really enjoy the movie. Um, the energy of the movie just took me away. I've seen comedies with Steve Martin. This is so energetic all the way through. More energetic than some of his other movies. I was shocked how pumped full of comedy, hitting hard this was. But the rom-com thing, I'm like, I just don't buy it. And, you know, that's where I, you know, I, I don't think anyone, I honestly don't know if anyone really feels like this is the, one of his strong love stories. Later in his career, especially when we got to the late, like, 2000s, sorry, early 2000s, he started doing more dramatic movies. And then, you know, he kind of stopped acting all together. Yeah. Now, I know he recently just had funny enough. Did you see Steve Martin's recent, most recent release? Is that the uh, the show with Martin Short? Correct. No, uh, it's on my list, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, it's a show about two guys that love murder podcasts, and then they're in a murder mystery, and then they do a podcast about the murders as murder fans. It's really snake eating its own tail kind of thing, but really funny. It sounds kind of cringy as well because everyone everyone has a podcast, right? <laughs> um, they're really cool. I was like, wow. And, I, you know, it just came out last year. It has, is it Selena Gomez? Yeah. But, but yeah, uh, my point just being Steve Martin, when you look at Steve Martin and Woody Allen, Steve, you know, Woody Allen, actor, sorry, stand-up first, then actor-director, then director, slash actor, then just director. Mm-hmm. Steve Martin, stand-up, actor, and just kind of stuck in that lane. Didn't really, because I'm actually now, you know, Steve Martin, just like Woody Allen, musician, done plays like Woody Allen. They're very similar in how their careers went in the end. But Steve Martin only, I think he's only directed one or two movies. He's done a few screenplays. I'm actually interested to see what he would have been like if he directed more movies. Yeah. Now you get a feel for what he's going for. I see very, very, very strong similarities with him and Woody Allen. If you look at their careers, very similar, except for the real-life dramas. Um, Yeah, I'm actually just looking at them now, especially right now, where Steve Martin's had his first kid at, was it 67? Yeah. And, um, you know, he does more serious things. He's a very focused musician, just like Woody. Playwright. Playwright, just like Woody. They're so similar now. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's another thing. I mean, bringing up the him being a musician like Woody, the music in this movie is very much the music I think Woody Allen would have picked. I agree with that as well. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of like jazzy kind of stuff in here that uh, that definitely reminded me of what I mean. It's it's, it's obvious. There was a um, when the AFI did their I think hundred greatest comedies list they interviewed Steve Martin about Annie Hall. And he said that the thing that he, he got from Annie Hall was that um, you had to care about the love story because he he said you could have the funniest movie in the world, but if you don't believe that the two people are in love, then you don't get invested in it. And I feel like he didn't quite learn that lesson in this movie. No. And that's really the only downside I, I, see to it and obviously it's a major part of the movie so you know but 
he doesn't quite care. He, he just, I don't know if it was just the choice of actress or the screenplay or what, but he just, um, it's like, there's that legendary three hour cut of Annie Hall where mm. it was, I forget what the title was. It's the, the term where you, you're not able to uh, feel pleasure and, you know, they got it into editing and there was like a murder mystery in it and there was all this stuff. Woody and the editor just went like, let's just cut away everything that isn't the love story. And it feels like maybe that what could have been cut out of this was the love story hmm. or at least a different focus on a different love interest. I don't know, but it just, it it's a, it's a, the only, it, it takes a movie that I probably, if the love story had been great, I'd probably say this was a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Um, as it stands, I think it knocks it down to like a seven for me. Sure. But it's seven still a solid seven. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. All my bitching, you would think I hate the movie. I don't hate the movie at all. I just think the movie, what Steve thinks is, is it's, it's just a, it's a great comedy. It's a great zany comedy. Yeah. It's not a rom-com. <laughs> No. it's not a rom-com you've got female characters in there and relationships but they're not taken seriously they're all just ridiculous relationships as well all of them including the main one at the end ridiculous and that's fine by the way Sarah and Jessica Parker I you know when I saw her I thought to myself is she part of this role and listen even playing you know a free loving open person a ditz you know, she did and went to make what sex and seat and whatnot. I just and funny enough, only two years later did she do a movie, a TV movie, Woody Allen and um uh what's the who's the actor that played Columbo again? What's his name again? Peter, Peter Falk? Falk? Yeah, Peter Falk, yeah, they did a, a TV movie called Sunshine Boys. Oh yeah. Which we already reviewed, guys. Go back and listen to that discussion. Me and Simon Lee spoke about that. And it's interesting to see her where her career went from this movie to Sunshine Boy, to then get in her own series, I just wondered, like, when I saw her in this, I thought, ooh, you, you happy about this role? <laughs> now, behind the scenes, she said she loved working with Steve Martin, stuff like that, but the trajectory of her career was very interesting from this point to there. Yeah, it's not even the only ditzy kind of character. I, I think there, if I'm remembering correctly, it was in a movie called First Wives Club. I know there was another movie where she played like the like the husband's mistress. That does sound familiar. I think that's the movie I'm thinking of, but I might look uh, it up while you go. Yeah, keep going though. Yeah. Yeah. But it, you know, she so she played that character uh, more than once around that mm. time. And I don't know how she feels about it now because everybody calls her like this feminist icon and everything, but um Except for South Park, where they really I want to episode of South Park where yikes <laughs> they went in on her. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Castle on the whole is great. Um again, Patrick Stewart having that gag. I know he was doing early Star Trek and Generation at that time, but it's really, really cool to see him just poke fun at himself and do something so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't think we would talk about this movie this long just because I'm like, it's a great comedy. What should I talk about? It's the most, this might be the zaniest. And that's something coming from Steve Martin. This is, to me, and I haven't seen all the Steve Martin's movies, most of them. This is the zaniest Steve Martin movie I've seen so far. It really is. 
the zany parts, yeah. I mean, I, I think the jerk and maybe like three amigos are, they're more straightforward zany. Yeah. This is more like, there is a story here and a structure to it that like the jerk and three amigos where it's that, that's just, those movies are just, you know, how many gags can we get in? Uh, mm. This has a story to it, and in some ways, the story is the the hindrance to the movie. Yeah. So, Pretty much. Pretty but you're much. right. It's I I was not exp- I was expecting very grown up Steve Martin, and yeah. like oh, when, when he when he got into like the late '90s and he had a beard, you know, I was expecting that Steve Martin, and this was very much closer to the jerk than exactly than I thought it would be. Exactly. That's it. That was. I had a bit of whiplash. Can't lie. Mm-hmm. I thought, what is their late story? Uh, the name again, and just like you in the beginning, I thought this was a different movie. So this movie just shot me. But overall, I will say it was a pleasant surprise. And if I watch this movie again now, knowing what to expect, I would enjoy it a whole lot more. Yeah. You know, would I say it's one of his best comedies ever? Debatable. But it's a very good one, a very strong one. It's as you know when when the when the love story scenes come up, that's when you pull out your phone and you check your email, and then you put the phone back down when it's, it cuts to a different scene. So yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's pretty much all I got to say about Eddie's story. But this was a very good pick, James. I do think because again, I, it's nice to see a comedy that remind because this definitely reminds me of Woody Allen's early funny ones. Yeah, and, and with a touch, I, like I said, I do think if I was going to compare it to something, it's a slightly wackier Manhattan. Mm. Uh, it's it's Manhattan if Woody had made Manhattan in 1974 instead of 1979. I see what he was attempting to do. I think he was mostly successful. Maybe not, like you said, maybe just not in the way he thought. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Pretty, but again, much beloved movie, Ratings galore. And um, to our listeners out there, do you agree? Do you disagree? Let us know in the comments down below. James, I'm going to let you have the last word. Um, I've, I think I've spoken out on this one. Do you have any other thoughts? Uh, no, I would. But it, it is a movie. As much as we maybe like talked up the things that we didn't like, it's a movie I would wholeheartedly recommend. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But it, it, at least you know now what to expect. Yes. Don't go in looking for a great love story. But anyway, as I illustrated at the beginning of the podcast, you know, we got some we got some really cool loyal fans who listen and, you know, give us a lot of good feedback. So recently I was reached out by a listener. I was um tackled on Facebook, <laughs> so to say. And this gentleman, uh let me get his name here. Paul Stickney sent uh, quite a glowing review for the podcast saying he really appreciated that we went through every single Woody Allen movie and he has a recommendation actually from a person I know more as an actor I didn't actually know there was an actual director so I was really really impressed to talk um, he mentioned Edward Burns so James he recommended a movie which you said you've seen before yep uh, Brothers McMullen. I haven't seen that movie before. I want us, I do want to talk about that movie, Brothers McMullen, and there's another movie he said is his favourite, but from my research, this guy is a great candidate for Woody Adjacent. But, I'm going to option, next month, we talk about a movie directed by him, which is called She's the One. It was made in 1996, 
It has Jennifer Anderson, Cameron Diaz, and a few other actors. And I saw the trailer and I thought, you know what? I think this will be a great adjacent pick. So, Paul, I want to say thank you for the recommendation. We're going to get to your pick specifically, but I'm going to use my editorial powers. I'm going to veto this and pick this movie in particular. Are you okay with that, James? I'm... I have a, a, a strange uh, sexual attraction to Jennifer Aniston. So, yes, let's go ahead and do that. <laughs> a strange one. <laughs> she was one of the most beloved human specimens around the time Friends was on. My God, Rachel from Friends. Oh, my God. Jennifer Aniston. But one thing I love about Jennifer Aniston is that she struck it out as an actor. Like, she didn't want to just do... She didn't want to be the woman that was just, you know, the blonde on the side. Even though she's done movies where she's like that, she wanted to do movies that are a bit more dramatic as well. So, mm-hmm. but ironically, she's never really directed the movie herself, but she's done a lot of dramas, a lot. Right now, she's doing that show with Apple, the morning show, with her and Reese Witherspoon, which I think is fucking fantastic. I haven't gotten to see it, but I've heard good things about it. It's a great show. Now, it's a bit, it's a little bit cringy because. Apple, in my opinion, as a company, you know, they're all about being inclusive and diverse and stuff like that in recent years, I would say, anyway. And it's a little bit obvious what they're trying to do, but it doesn't mean that their heart isn't in the right place. And they're tackling a lot of issues in that show as well, especially with, I mean, the whole crux of that show is basically the Harvey Weinstein scandal. Yeah. And how it affected media and how it affected Hollywood and the news departments in particular. I couldn't recommend it enough. The Morning Show is a great show. So looking forward to Jennifer Anderson. And again, this movie we're going to be talking about, she's the one, seems more of a drama anyway. So mm. while she was doing Friends, she did this movie. And yeah, I'll be I'll be more than happy to talk about it. So Paul, thank you so much for the recommendation. And anyone else listening who has any recommendations for adjacent, you can recommend it to us. I'm going to put a link, that, again, to contact us. The links will be in the link tree link down below. We've got an audio submission. You can send a voicemail for free on your phone or on your laptop and just say it if you want as well. Again, the link to that will be, I think it's woody.voiceofmail.com. I think that's the, the link. But again, if you if you want direction, it will be in the podcast description link below. So, James, on that note, is there anything else you want to say before we sign out? No, I, I think we pretty much covered this movie uh, really well. Like you said, I would just, I'd encourage people to see it. Yeah, why not? It's real fun. Real crazy fun romp LA story. And next time we'll be talking about She's the One. James, where can the people get you if they want to get in contact with you? You can find me at uh, the Manic Expression YouTube channel. And my books are available on Amazon, including my new novel, Don Giovanni. Don Giovanni. I love that name. The link will be in the description to that. Just one link tree link. You can catch me at Planet Tyro on Twitter. But also, all the details are down there below. Subscribe if you haven't already. Let your friends know. Leave us a review if you can find it in your heart. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next month on the next recording.